Welcome to today's episode of the Vegan Champion Podcast, everybody. I just finished up the interview with Travis Coleman, who is a professional ITU level triathlete. That's a big deal, everybody. This guy is smashing it, representing for veganism. Had a great chat with Travis just now. I was a lot uh, sleepier at the beginning of the conversation because due to the time difference, I'm in Canada. Travis is in Australia. Uh, It was 6 a.m. for me, 8 p.m. for Travis. Um, So a little bit sleepy at the beginning of this interview. Sorry about that. But we had a great conversation nonetheless. We talked about a lot of stuff. Talked about triathlon. Talked about veganism. uh, Talked about uh, death and our relationship with death and what that means for our daily lives and how that can sort of give us perspective. Um, Yeah, we had some some interesting twists and turns in this conversation. I think we hit on some valuable points that I'm excited to share with you guys. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Travis, I mean, check this guy out. I mean, he's he's had some great results. Back in 2017, uh, he finished sixth at the ITU World Triathlon Grand Final in Rotterdam for the 20 to 24 ma- uh, male age category. Uh, he finished fourth the following year in 2018 at the, uh, again, the ITU World Triathlon Grand Final on the Gold Coast and still in the uh, 20 to 24 age category there. And, uh, you know, since then he has stepped up to the big boys competing with the elite men. And, um, you know, he, he had a finish in 2019 uh, at the Australian National Championships, uh, 10th place out of the elite men. And Travis is just getting started. I think we have a lot more to come from Travis Coleman. We got good things to come. And I'm excited for uh, for you guys to get to know him. If you maybe are unfamiliar with Travis, this is a good good introduction introduction to Travis. Make sure you check him out on social media. He does uh, Instagram stories very regularly, and I enjoy watching his uh, his Instagram stories for sure. He posts a lot about his training and he's uh, you know his his vegan nutrition and just some some positive messages that that help uh, help inspire you to get out there and get it done. So follow Travis on Instagram um, and uh, and check out his website. But uh, you know more on that after. Let's uh, let's get to the conversation, shall we? Here is Travis Coleman. I actually just woke up. I fell asleep at like an hour and a half ago. Oh, that's good, man. We're we're in the same boat then, because I mean it's like just past six a.m. here, so yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because we tried. You know, I guess I didn't do a good job of lining it up. I tried to line up the times. Yeah. Uh, so it's- yeah, usually it'd be right, but for some reason I was just exhausted. It's probably because I've been surfing quite a lot lately which has also been pretty cool. I'm jealous. I can't surf, but I wish I could. And it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. And then it always come out of the surf, just absolutely craving chocolate. So that's a win too. Is it like swimming that I always feel like, I always feel like I'm way hungrier after a swim? Yeah, hundred percent. It's like swimming and then as well as like a strength workout. While swimming. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. cool man well let's start off with i'll give you a chance to tell tell people what you do in your own words kind of you know what you're all about and um yeah we'll roll from there i'm i'm excited to get into it with you today man we've got we've got a lot of common ground and i, and I want to ask you a lot of questions um 
but yeah, yeah just cool. give, give, give yourself a bit of an intro for people listening to who might not be familiar with you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm, how old am I? 23, uh, from Australia. Um, a professional triathlete, um, uh, full-time vegan, obviously. Um, so I've been vegan for just over three years, I think it is now. Um, and been a pro triathlete for just over one year. Um, so I've been, got in the triathlon scene in like 2010, I think it was. Um, just competing at my local club on a Saturday every, every now and then. Um, spent a couple of years just doing that, having a hit out with dad and couple of the local boys down there and then it wasn't until like 2013 roughly um it was like the school cross country uh qualifying for new south wales championships um and then i missed out in a sprint finish to like go to the state level oh. um, so then i was like nah that's it i'm gonna start training now because i'd never trained before i was like oh no i'll just rock up do it i'll be right and then yeah, I got just missed out. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm training. Came back, started training, and then made it the next year. And from then on, just got real competitive with everything I did. <laughs> uh, and I think it was, what year did I finish school? 2015. Um, and then during school, I think my best result was like 14th in New South Wales uh, for triathlon. And then, yeah, left school a couple of months later. It was uh, Australian age group champion for um, what age? 16 to 19 years um, in 2016. Went to world champs, got 23rd in Mexico uh, for standard distance uh, triathlon for 20 to 24 years. Uh, came back the next year um, as a vegan athlete. Uh, so I went vegan in December 2016, had a couple of months uh, being vegan, was national champion again, um, and then got, I think it was sixth in Rotterdam at World Champs. And then I was like, all right, one more year, I'll have another crack at um, the age group racing, and then I'll try and go pro. Um, and it also helped that World Champs were on the Gold Coast, so it was like, half an hour drive, which is pretty sick. I was like, yeah, I'm going to win the world champs, home crowd. It's going to be amazing. Um, except I got injured that like May, May, June, July, I had a hip impingement injury. Um, oh, no. Recovered from that in about August. I spent all August um, with like a um, like tonsillitis. And then oh, no fun. ended up at the three leg. Three weeks before Worlds, I'd only just started training about five weeks before Worlds again. Um, it was like you wake up in the morning just hating life. Everything was so painful. And then the only reason I was getting up training was because Worlds were in like three weeks. I was like, nah, whatever it takes to get me there, I'll get it. And then got to the race, still on antibiotics. Um, wow. Ended up. Yeah, had, didn't have a great race and ended up fourth. So fourth is like my most hated position because it's just off the podium. Like you're so close and got nothing for it. Yeah. Um, fourth and second because second's so close to first. But I, I, 
I hear what you're saying on the one hand that like fourth is in, in some ways like the worst position. But then again, some people would say actually second is in some ways the worst position. But, yeah. uh, but either way, man, that's not bad. If you, if you had not a good day and you hit fourth, like you must have had, you must have felt really, really good about where your fitness was at. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back a couple weeks after that, I mean, it was like, it was pretty rough for a week or so. I was just going, it was world champs. It was my last shot at like age group stuff, trying to get a world champion. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, after the whole come down of it, I was like, well, actually I got fourth while racing antibiotics after an injury. I probably wouldn't have even exercised as quick as I was. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always been that T since then. That was 2018 maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I'm like, oh, what if I could have been a world champion? So yeah. now I figured I got to do it as a professional. <laughs> wow. And for people who don't know, you race ITU triathlon. Like you're, tell people yeah. a little bit about like the level that you race at in triathlon. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, so the ITU stuff is they do the sprint all standard. So sprints, 750 swim. Um, for 20k bike, 5k run, and the standards double that. So 1.5k swim, 40k bike, uh, 10k run. Um, the sprint takes me like 55, 57 minutes, and the Olympic distance is about an hour 52, hour 54, 55, depending on courses. Um, so yeah. Um, I guess the translation of that for, for people who don't understand is like very fast. Like, like Travis, you're, you're racing at the highest level of those distances, right? You're racing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, so when, when you're seeing, you know, Travis's results, um, you know, sometimes I'm sharing my results of winning my age group or every now and then I might like, I have won some races overall, but, uh, you know, not professional fields, right. You're like really in and amongst the big boys. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. man, you're, you are smashing it, dude. And it's been really cool. I follow your Insta stories and, you know, check out your training and all that. And I've really enjoyed, you know, you've got, you've got some, some good training near you, right. You've got, uh, talk, talk yeah. about your, your training, training, like where, so where exactly do you live and, and, and just talk about the sort of training in your area? Where, where are you at? Um, so yeah, I live in Tweed Heads, uh, which is just south of the New South Wales Queensland border. Um, and obviously pre-coronavirus, we would travel around, <laughs> train wherever. Um, but they've shut Queensland down. So to get into Queensland, it's a bit rough. You've got to have a certain pass, got to be in for work. Uh, which is kind of a blessing in disguise because uh, the Gold Coast is really great. It's also really busy. Um, so usually I would train around Burley, Miami, which is like an absolute hub for your eyes. And if you've never been to Burley, you, you leave Burley with a broken neck because you walk along the beach like <laughs> the whole time. For people who, if people are listening, you've just drastic, you know, dramatically gone right to left, you know, full right, full left. You're just always looking around. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's plenty of action to see and do. Um, but yeah, that so that's cool. I've never, I've never been to Australia, so um, I got to get out there. Yeah, it's, it looks I beautiful. I mean, thank, thanks for sharing it on, on your stories because it looks beautiful. And uh, yeah. you've, you've got a good, uh, 
you got a good positive, positive attitude and you're like a good example of like somebody who's just there getting it done every day, you know, doing the training, putting in the work you've got, have you, what, what is that? You've I always see, you've got these like pre-rate pre-made meals. Is there like uh have you got like a business going there or like, are you doing meal, meal planning, like vegan meal planning for people or what's um, that all about? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I started as an ambassador for uh, Garden of Vegan. So they uh, do like prepacketed meals. Um, so they're based in, in a Burley. Um, so then all the meals are macro counted. Um, it shows all your nutrients on it. So if you're someone watching your macros, micros, all these nutritional stuff, that's all printed out on the um, meals for you. And there's like, what have we got now? Like 25 different meals, I think, roughly. Um, so I was an ambassador for them, um, and I also do uh, like PT as my main gig, kind of triathlon and personal trainer. Uh, and then I was after something like a little bit more steady uh, work-wise to help pay for travel and all other life expenses. So I hit him up. And I was like, "Oh, is there any work?" And then, yeah. So now I'm working in there, helping him make meals, packet them, get them ready to send out, and it's really cool to be in the process of making something that's good for the people kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining your, your life, like your sort of workflow and it sounds pretty good, man. You're training triathlon like a lot of hours a week. How many hours do you train a week? And, and you're doing this, uh, this food stuff. It sounds like a good, you've got a good, uh, sounds similar to what I do, <laughs> but a yeah. little bit different. Um, but if people, if people are watching, uh, yeah, tell us, um, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about, sorry, I was just going to ask something. I forgot it there. It's too early in the morning. <laughs> well, I was going to, I asked you something and then I kept rambling. What did I? Uh, hang on. There's a plane flying up. It's a... Oh, is there? Yeah. It's super noisy. We haven't had planes in like six weeks because of all the lockdown. So that's, oh, yeah, that's the first word. Yeah. Um, what was that? Uh, the... I, I was just saying how uh, terrible I am as a, as a podcast host. Cause I was, I was going to, I asked you something and then I kept rambling. Oh, I, I remember what I was going to ask you. The, uh, so the meals, what, what was the, I, I did want to ask you this. What was the name of that, the company for the meals again? Um, we are Garden of Vegan. We are Garden of Vegan. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you're setting up a good, um, a good day. What I asked was, uh, how many hours you train in a week? You know, talking about your, your sort of approach to training. Let's, okay, so maybe it's a bit different now because like all the races are canceled and whatever. But let's yeah. say like if you could have your ideal, um, let's, call, let's call it month leading into a race, right? Just, just yeah. to be contextual to people. If you do a month leading into a race, what kind of like, what are you looking at for training hours in a week? Uh, yeah, so it's roughly oh, about 30 hours of training. Um, I include and, yoga in okay. training. So you're including like like stretching, yoga, like if you're doing any foam rolling, do you include all that? Like massage? Uh, is that all training or? Nah, so that's just swim, bike, run, yoga, and gym. Gotcha. Just yeah. So and then, like, so other stuff on top of that. Yeah, yeah, as well as like rolling before and after every session, um, all my meal preps, um, going to my osteo, doing all my recovery stuff on top of that as well. And then pre-coronavirus, working like 20, 25 hours a week uh, in the kitchen and then doing about 10 hours of PT work as well. 
So it's kind of like wake up, eat, go, 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 eat, keep going, sleep, eat, go. <laughs> you're dialed yeah. in, brother. It sounds like you're dialed in. Yeah, so there's, there's not much time for anything else, which is, I guess, what I'm enjoying now about what the world's going through is it's a bit of a break, which is nice. Um, do the things I don't usually get time for. But, um, here, 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 here. Um, how would how would you say you feel about where you're at right now? I feel like you're ready to uh, to take over the triathlon world, brother. I feel like you're. I saw I've seen I've seen photos of you you running, man, and doing those. And I've seen some of your you know you're like you can swim. You know you're like a fish in the water and like a shark in there. And all you, all you Aussies, man, all the, all my like Australian friends, it's always crazy to me. Like the Australians can just swim, especially compared to us Canadians. Like, nah, we can't yeah. swim very well as yeah. in general. Actually, Hey, you know, there's, there's, there's examples, but like, I mean, like in school, you guys, yeah. I think you've got to learn to swim. Whereas here in Canada, it's, they don't, they don't make you learn. So. Um, yes. I remember learning to swim before I learned to walk. Hey, like it, you're like, you're born and just thrown in the pool. It's like, float, swim, good, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just get it done. Yeah, like even competitive-wise, I was, uh, I think I was like best at swim racing when I was about 14, 15. And I remember swimming like a 27, maybe a high 26 to 50 metres free. And that not even being like a state-level swim. Yeah, So wow. Just floating down the pool in Australia is just so ridiculously elite that if like, there's like a hundred people going for three spots in the Olympics, it's just completely cutthroat. And then I noticed it in triathlon too, that like even at a, a state level kind of competition, the swim times are pretty much up there with the top ITU boys. And you go to a national level, they're swimming the same times. And then you go to an international meet, there's not an Australian not making the pack kind of thing. So to try and cut it, at least in the swimming side of triathlon, is you got to be as best, as good as the best. And then the rest unfolds. <laughs> That's my main difficulty, man. Help me with it. Help me solve my problem of not being able to swim. Can you just like, can I just download like good swimming ability? No, I actually, I actually love, that's the thing is I love the, the process of learning to swim. Like I'm totally okay with not being a good swimmer and like having to figure it out. Like I fully accept, you know, yeah, all that yeah. comes with that. And, uh, but, but the thing is what's exciting, right? Is here you are, but I, first I want to backtrack though, because you kind of said, you know, I've been vegan for three years. Let's go back and unpack that a little bit. Like what, yeah. um, you know, what I know you, you mentioned earlier sort of a bit of, of what happened, but let's, you know, what, what does being vegan mean to you and how do you see, I mean, you post about, like, I see you're, you're sharing stuff to try to open people's minds. How, how do you see yourself, um, you know, as sort of a vegan trying to find your way as a triathlete, which, which, which what are you, what is your perspective on, you know, being being a vegan in a non-vegan world here you are you're in a position of smashing it at a sport that it has a lot of momentum right now um yeah. you know i see you as being able to have like a pretty positive effect on uh, on the sport and on uh you know people's 
sort of awareness about veganism in general. So I'm curious as to how you, you know, sort of talk about veganism and, and um, you know, what, what role that, that plays in sort of, I don't know, motivation, for example, like I, yeah. I, I find I get a lot of motivation from it, but if you could just speak to that a little bit, I'd be, I'd be curious to hear, hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, originally I went vegan for the animals. Um, so it was playing on my mind for a little bit. Um, and then my girlfriend at the time was vegan. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of what a vegan was. I just heard like vegetarians and I knew the vegetarians I knew through high school was like two of them. And that was through their religion. They're like, Oh, they don't, eat animals and I was like oh yeah fair enough you do you I'll do whatever if it if it can put in my mouth I'll eat it kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then um I remember watching a documentary on the cove um the the dolphin slaughter in Japan and I was like oh man that's heavy so then I was like all right I'm not eating any fish I'm not supporting SeaWorld I just went not full not supporting this in any way and it didn't even click until like a while later that that happens to animals on land as well. So then um, I was talking to my girlfriend about it. I was like, yeah, I don't understand how people can like support SeaWorld and still fish when like stuff like this happens. And then she goes, all right, look, don't hate me, but I just need to show you something. And then um, she was sharing a couple of vegan um, posts about what animal, what happens to like cows, chickens, pigs, all these animals that are so, um easily accepted to eat and i was like oh no (laughs) all this stuff happens to all these land animals too and then i was like oh so then the first thing that came to my mind was can i still compete be any good and get protein like that it's just like the typical thing that everyone thinks of is like oh can i get protein if i'm vegan and you can't it's actually super easy um so i'd actually just picked up a nutritionist a little bit before that, um, Delina Rame. So she was uh, like an ultra runner, like a hundred miler type of ultra run, just crazy stuff. And then I remember going to her and being like, I'm looking at going vegan. Uh, just wondering if it's possible to do that and still be an athlete. And then she was like, all right, yeah, here's like a whole book of information. Knock yourself out. And I was like, oh, okay, this is looking pretty legit. And then I remember being so worried and scared about it at first i was like how am i going to go to barbecues how am i going to get tell dad i don't want to right he's cooking up i was like my whole social life's just going to be flipped upside down and then i remember i was like um yeah to my girlfriend at the time i was like all right if you can cook me up a good spag bowl and a good chicken parmy i'll go vegan and then she did and i was like oh yeah right yeah i'll give it a crack um and then it was, it was honestly nothing changed except when I went out to places, I'd have to like look at the menu first, see if they had any vegan options. If not, it was just like a salad and or like stock up before I went, which is what I did for years. Just eat like a bowl of oats or just eat whatever I could before going out. That way I wasn't super hungry um, going out places with friends. And I could just be like, oh, no. Nah, I'm watching what I eat. And then I use the athlete excuse quite a lot as in like, Oh, I gotta, gotta maintain whatever I'm eating. Gotta eat like this. Um, right. And then I went through those stages that, you know how like every vegan goes through those stages where you're a calm, passive closet vegan and you don't want to upset anyone. And then 
that switch flicks and you're like, nah, I'm making everyone go vegan now. <laughs> that happens for me several, several times a day, bro. Several times a day. How am I feeling? What am I going to say to that? Yeah. Yeah. So I hit that stage. I'm still in that stage, I think. But learning to deal with people not listening better. Um, but yeah, so for like about two years, um, I didn't know any other vegans. And then I went on a cycling tour uh, from Burley to Adelaide. So from Gold Coast to all right down to Adelaide in South Australia. Um, and that was, that was the tour de froth and it was a fully vegan organized thing. So that was the first time I actually met other vegans and athletes. Um, so it was like 800 kilometers of riding a week um, for four weeks, got down there on New Year's Eve. And then I was like, this is, this is it. This is the pinnacle of, I'm being vegan. I'm traveling around I'm sleeping in a swag, waking up, going for a hundred odd K ride a day. And then, yeah, from there just started to get into like the vegan, um, social groups. I started to actually see where, what vegans did. Cause I was so caught in the tri scene and just ate vegan that I didn't get that mingling kind of thing. Um, I guess that's part of training so much that my social life really takes a stand back and training triathlon becomes my social life. So anything outside yeah. of that yeah. doesn't get any attention. And yeah, just working on that. I think I had like a year. I was like, all right, maybe it was 2019. I was like, all right, yeah, this year I'm going to focus on growing like, my tribe or a community around me of supportive, uh, healthy, vegan, active people. Um, and yeah, got to meet so many cool people. And then that's, I think that's one of the good things about, um, social platforms like Facebook, Instagram, all that is that you can link up with people. And then I guess double edged sword in that people take it for, for granted. People, yeah. people take it for granted. All of the good things, about social media and and how it lets us like connect with like-minded people who you know yeah. they may they may be far away or whatever but like we were able to find you know uh connection with people and find community so we shouldn't take that for granted that is a huge advantage that i think we would miss a lot if we didn't have it anymore yeah it's just i guess it comes to that appreciation thing realizing the good seeing the bad and just working that fine line not even a fine line just working out where you want to be in there yeah, absolutely. The tour de froth, by the way, going back to that. Yeah, we've got. I'm sure we've got a few uh, mutual friends. That sounds like so much fun, man. Is that? Do you know if if that's like a? I mean, obviously, maybe this year, maybe not happening. But um, is the plan for it to be an annual thing? Is that like a? Or is it like a, it's a pretty like small crew. It's like a pretty, like well, yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of events, it's not like a huge event. Like, how many people participate in that? Um, I think when I. So I did it the first year uh, as a cyclist and there was like eight of us did the whole thing, but we maybe had just over 20 people um, that came and went and just did yeah. legs. Gold Coast of Sydney, Sydney, Melbourne, Melbourne, Adelaide and like bits and pieces like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just organized by Shane and Simone. So they've just a couple of the barely gone, yeah, we feel like riding Adelaide, let's make it a thing. And they just did, which is it just blows my mind that they're like, Oh, I just feel like doing this. And then just made a thing of it. Um, and then I did it 
uh, December just gone as um, chef from Sydney to Melbourne. So I raced in um, New Zealand, flew out the next day, flew back home, dropped my bike off, flew down to Sydney, was chef for 10 days, flew out of Melbourne again. Um, and it was a bit of a smaller crew then. Um, but I think, I don't know if they're looking at doing it every single year, but they're looking at doing like smaller events, like a, a week long trip here and there, just to kind of just give you that, uh, that taste that you get after it. Like there's everyone that I know that's been on tour is like, there's life before and there's life after tour. Like your life changes so much just from riding your bike every morning, sleeping in a swag out in nature and just eating all good vegan food with a bunch of legends. Like, Man, it just, sounds like the best time ever, it, dude. Yeah. It it's does. Like, you, like a um, post-holiday depression. You come back and you, you try and fit into this rat race that we're all stuck in and you're like, oh, man, I just want to be on tour sleeping in a swag again. Like, I've had times where I just want to set the swag up in the backyard not even sleep in the house. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I uh, I love sleeping in it. Uh, I've got this tent that I used to like. I've I've slept in it many times outside, and oh, love it. There's just something about being out, yeah. fresh air, on the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah, really connected nature. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that it's it's interesting, man. I I, I think we need. Uh, I don't know. We need some, we need some change in the way that we value the potential of our experience, like not just rat racing for the sake of, of, of more numbers in our bank accounts, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, instead of living, we're almost like racing to our death in that like, Oh, because this is the norm that we've been taught and told it's like you go to school you go to uni you get a job you save up by the time you're old and frail and no longer able to enjoy it have some time off enjoy life now that you can't move and it's it's crazy once you see life for kind of what it is in that we're just just like fraction of time like that and that who knows if there's another life whether this is it I've had some crazy hectic nights just thinking like, what if when we die, there's nothing like there's just not even the blackness you see when your eyes are closed, but you just don't exist anymore. And then it's just tripped me up so hard. I'm like, nah, nah, you're definitely reincarnate. I'm like, well, what if I like reincarnate as a leaf? Like I have to live as a tree for the next however long the tree lives for. And I got to this point where I was like, Nah, I would definitely like whether we're all individual little um, energies of spiritual just beings and we pass from a human body onto like a dog, a cow, maybe a cat, a dolphin, all these things. Um, I kind of like the idea that where this spirit that just goes on and on and on and never actually dies, we're just like this infinite and right now in this point of time we're trapped I guess in 
a human form with five senses. <laughs> and then we leave that and it's just infinite senses. You get to enjoy so much more. And it was, it's kind of makes, puts life in perspective in that nothing really matters. So like your job doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. What you're doing tomorrow, yesterday doesn't matter. And because nothing matters, that's why it matters. Like, that's why now matters in that. I mean, like it's so cliche in that tomorrow never comes. It's always today. It's always right now. But it really is that simple that you can stress about tomorrow. You can panic about what's happened before. But I mean, unless you're really living in now, appreciative of everything that's happening and looking at it positively, you're almost wasting all this opportunity and experience that you get endlessly every single time you inhale. That, that's, what's, that's what's valuable, right? And that's, it's so funny because it's so far away from what we're chasing, right? We're like chasing to like do the job that's going to make us the most value. And like we live in this world that like you, you, you can't really not unless you want to just be a recluse in wherever you go and I don't know, live off some yeah. mango tree somewhere. Like you can do that. The option's there, but like you can't be, I mean, there are probably, maybe there are some wicked, I've actually been to some places that are like sustainable, not entirely vegan, but like, uh, actually one of them was, you know, just sort of like a waste. Like there's this one farm I went to this community out in Hawaii. It was like, it was all vegans and they were all eating fruit trees off the land. And like, it was super chill, like sustainable energy. Like, but it, that, that is still like that. Those kinds of communities are like, you know, barely exist anywhere. There's so few and far between, you know, being mostly in, in the, in the sort of rat race, um, you know, we're always chasing it when in reality, like literally the most valuable thing is to your point, like consciousness that we do have right now. And at any moment could be taken away. Like, yeah. why aren't we more grateful or even the, even the odds of being born? I mean, we're, we're like, we won the lottery just to be born, no matter what, like anybody born with any kind of, you know, if it's a disability or like, you know, like maybe you're born into a, a better or worse circumstance, like even, even a human being born into like a poor circumstance. I mean, obviously this is what I want to change about the way that, things happen in the world. I mean, what I try to do is I try to create a better world so that let's say people born in, in, in a, in a country where their you know, the, their only option is to work as basically a slave, you know, whether that's for a corporation or I don't know. I mean, in, in America, I think, uh, you know, in a lot of countries in the world, workers in animal agriculture, like that, that's the, that's the highest job injury rate is like a slaughterhouse worker, like slaughterhouse workers. That's like the most dangerous, like most injuries on job, I believe. And, you know, I mean, taking this in a bit of an interesting direction, I guess, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just the, the ability to say like, life is valuable. The experiences that we're having, just consciousness itself is valuable. Um, We, as, I mean, as far as animals go, right. I, I have as much of a reason to believe that animals experience consciousness as i have to believe other people experience consciousness like i don't actually like getting out getting real philosophical here right the the experience of consciousness right like is i think therefore i am right that basic Mm -hmm. knowing like all i know 
is that like I'm conscious. I don't even know for sure that I'm in a human body. I could be a brain in a vat. I have no way of proving that I'm not in some VR brain in a vat, right? So yeah. that's just to say that, you know, talking about some excuses that people might make for justifying not being vegan, they'll say things like, you know, humans are special. We have some kind of, you know, because we are all human, we have like a special kind of consciousness, like a soul that maybe animals don't have. Some people will make that, but we don't actually like I, as a subject, you know, as a, as a human being having an experience, I don't actually have any better way to prove that you are actually conscious than say a pig or a cow. Like I can look at you, I can see your emotions. You can respond to things just the same way that a cow can. There's no yeah. difference. And we don't know what happens what, when, when we die, right? We don't know what happens when we die. Um, if you believe in reincarnation and karma, then, oh, man, I don't want to be a part of what's happening to animals because that will not, that will not help one's karma to be contributing to that, right? Yeah. Oh, man. But it's, but it's uncertain. It's uncertain, right? And I think that what you can take from that or what I take from that is like, oh, man, I read this. I read this. Actually, I listened to this audiobook, The Simple Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I don't know if you've checked yeah, it out. Yeah, I haven't read it though. Yeah. Good, man. It's good. I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's certain things you can do like just to sort of allow yourself to see like to get a taste of like death. And I mean, I don't want to, everyone, everyone needs to have their own sort of personal relationship with death. And um, it's kind of a weird topic, but in, in a powerful way, like if you can get close to death, like, let's say, like even just putting yourself into stress, right. Putting yourself into a stressful situation where it's like, like I had a cold shower. Like I was thinking about cold showers. I don't know if you do cold showers. I like to like take a nice sauna and then after the sauna you into them. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I do man. all the Wim Hof stuff. Hey, it's so good. And and the thing is, like, if you just imagine, like, what if the what if I was actually like stranded in Antarctica or some gnarly situation like that, where like you are like exposed to cold and like you will eventually, you know, I mean Wim Hof, whatever. If you if you're like in ice water for long enough, eventually you're gonna succumb yeah. to the element right so i guess even just doing a short like cold shower right it gives you a glimpse of that sort of like that it gives you that stress response that is a warning to something that might kill you right so in a way that's like getting connected with death or you can think about that and what i find that does is something like i'm just using a cold shower as an example there are lots of things you could do you can you know fly down a mountain uh, on a mountain bike and like you know get that rush like there's lots of ways you can get that kind of connection with death you might call it but uh but what it does is when you sort of almost taste it and then you come back and it's like oh everything's okay like i'm not in immediate threat of dying and like it it gives you this sort of uh i think it's like a renewed sense of gratitude and it's probably unconscious but it's sort of like a restart um and i think you get i think that's why i think it's part of why people get like i don't know the endorphin like release that they do like that feel good experience after like exercise or after say like a scary movie right like why do people like scary movies like i never understood that until recently i kind of like had a bit of a revelation like, that's why people like scary movies because like they yeah. come out of the scary movie they felt like they were gonna die the whole movie and then they yeah. come out of it and they're like oh my god like everything's okay so yeah. that's super 
fascinating because no, I just you you started talking about um, you know what happens when we die, and and I think that I just mm. want to share that because for me, I've been yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I can't do scary movies. Hey, no, I can't either. It rattles me deep. I can um, what what did I watch? Um, the Conjuring. It's I don't know if you've seen it. Um, so it's like this family move into this new house. It's a big like mansion thing, like your typical haunted mansion. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. And then this like this ghost or demon, whatever it is, it possesses. Um, as the kids are running around finding the house, oh man, I got tingles of it now. Uh. <laughs> it's like they play this like knock and find or like no you clap it's like and then um that's like hide and seek and then everyone has to clap three times and then this demon like knocks on the door as the clap and then the little girl opens it thinking there's someone in there it possesses her um and then everything that happened in that movie happened to me for like the next month whether it was like a subconscious thing or what i'm like am i connected this um because when i was little apparently like i don't know if you know byron bay but pretty hippie town um I've my parents, byron bay. yeah i was i was in the pram and then they were going through byron or the back of byron somewhere and this hippie dude comes up and he just looks at me and goes your baby's spiritually connected and i i was like what how come you guys never told me this and then i when i was little i used to um have like these dreams where people would take me and then I'd wake up in the morning with like marks on my arms from like grabbing myself in so scared I'd be taken away. So I was like this weird thing going on. And then whenever I watch a scary movie, this stuff happens. So, and in the movie, they wake up at 3 or 3 AM um, and all the shit just hits the fan. So then like for the first week, it was really cold at 3 or 3 AM. And then I woke up for a week, 3 or 3 AM, freezing in December, so like in summer. It's like 30 degrees at night. What? Are you, are other people, you're the only no, one? Only one, and I was sharing a room um, with my brother at the time as well. And then he didn't notice any of it. Um, there was, and then the next week, it smells like, it's a really bad smell, like something's dead. And then I, ha- I could smell this horrible smell for weeks. And like, actually no, it was just one week. And then in the movie, it was their dog had died. The demon had like killed the dog and it was just outside. And then we had a dead rat in the shed out the back for a week. And I was like, nah, this is too much of this is happening. This is crazy. And then um, I must have been like 15, 16. My brother was about 12 or 13 at the time. And then um, he, like he's pre-puberty, had like that squeaky little innocent voice. And then I remember he was tossing and turning and mumbling and I was like hey Joel shut up like I'm trying to sleep and then he just like sits directly up out of like his sleep and just turns at me like robotically and goes go back to sleep in this real deep voice I was like what is happening and then he's just like stood up out of bed walked over to this closet and just like headbutted it and just stood there and I was like oh man I'm out of here hey <laughs> what yeah it was heavy so that was that was my last and probably only encounter with a scary movie (laughs) dude dude i i think you're like some you're some like reincarnated like 
I don't know, wizard or something who's here on a mission to uh, be a triathlete and make the world go vegan. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Cause I'm like pretty sure that's what your life's purpose is, is just to like <laughs> go on and be a legend triathlete, vegan uh, advocate. So you don't, you don't, don't worry about like scary movies and like all that stuff, man. Just, yeah. just, stay, just stay away from that. Stay on your path. All right. I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, well, like, uh, man, I don't want to let you get away without uh, talking a bit of, of uh, triathlon nerd um, uh, yeah. topics here. So I, I just had a, um, I just had, uh, I just had um, a great podcast episode. The last episode we did was an interview with Lee Grantham. I don't know if you're familiar with Lee. He, nah. he is a he's a nike runner man so he's running for nike and he's trying to he's trying to set a new record for the uh the 100k okay yeah and uh he's been plant-based i think for the last like three years and just loving it and yeah. we had a conversation about um fasted training was one thing that we talked about and yeah. Just going back, because I know you mentioned you got your your coach. What was the name of your coach who, who dumped you with all the you know put dumped all this information about plant based diets in front of you? Who who was that coach again? Uh, Delano Rame. So, so, so in yeah. that in that stack, right yeah. of of information, you know, did you read anything about you know fasted training? Because this is like a really hot topic right now, and it's something that I I'm trying to learn about. So, you know, fasted training. Do you do it? If so, why? If not, why not? Thoughts around it? Uh, so what I remember from it, um, I can't remember much about fasted, but I remember um, being um, like months out from a race, uh, just hitting just above the intake that of what your output is. So your input matches output. And then the week, um, so a fortnight before the race, so you'd start two weeks before the race, um, you'd go like a, a carb depletion. So you'd get less and less carbs, um, still maintaining your same output, but that way the body gets uh, less carbs into it and it kind of craves them more. So that as you then increase, like re-increase carbs into your diet come race week, that holds and stores them better because the body goes into this panic. Oh, when are we going to get carbs again? I don't know. Like we've got to hold these. So then, like we deplete carbs, keep the training up. And it was a real, it's a rough stage for my family because me without carbs isn't a positive person. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I need food. Like, yeah. Everything. Um, so then like the, probably about Tuesday, Wednesday, same time as the training comes down, the carbs come up and it's like, you reintroduce a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And then you can start carbo loading and you go a bit over the top of what you need. And then say the race is Sunday, um, you'd, you'd pretty much max out Saturday and then have like, instead of the, I feel like the common thing is to just have pasta the night before a race or a big, one big dinner that's heavy on carbs. But then I also think that from what I've learned and know from that is that if you all of a sudden up your carbs for one meal before a race, um, not only is your stress and you're so anxious about the race, but then your body's got to intake so much more food than it's used to. And you start getting like those night sweats and cramp at night because your body's needing to draw so much energy to just break down all this food. You've all of a sudden just eaten. Then you've 
lost so much energy for the next day. So instead you'd, you'd grow it over four or five days, increasing the carbs. Um, just have like a standard normal meal. Um, I mean, my, I still have a spag bowl before a race as like an OCD thing before every single race, but I don't go way over the top. I'd have like just your standard spag bowl that I'd have any other day or night before a normal training event. Um, and then I find that way the body's not in a state of almost shock trying to break down all these carbs. It's like, oh, yes, carbs, this is great. And then, um, like, for a race, for me, I only have – I wake up, have a cliff bar, um, and then have one cliff bar an hour before a race. Um, so this is for sprint standard and half Ironman races. Um, just because when I was younger, if I had a bowl of cereal or a bowl of oats, I'd pretty much throw it up on the run. So I was mm. like, okay, I don't like throwing up. How can I mitigate this? And then it mm. kind of came down to eating enough leading up so that race morning, I didn't have to eat as much. And then I'm sure, as you know, like you get nervous before a race, your bowels pretty frequent as a vegan anyway. Right. <laughs> if you're to carve up heaps the night before in the morning of, that's like five, seven toilet trips before the race. So I try and cut down that as well. Yeah. But timing, I, timing and, and dealing with all the lines that are at all the porta yeah. parties in the morning and stuff or the bathrooms, wherever you are. Um, yeah. Race is not, it's not fun. Actually. Um, I would, I would suggest, man, I don't know if you've tried it, but for me, it's worked very well. Just, just sugar water, bro. Just sugar water. Yeah, right. Um, because, uh, like, who you know, you, you just want to top up your glycogen. You know, why, yeah. why take in any fiber? Why mess around with anything? Like, literally just sugar water, morning of a race. And, you know, you, you just, it's really easy. You just measure out your, your calories. And uh, if any yeah. of you guys listening try that, let me know how it works. It's been absolutely, like, secret weapon for me. So we'll leave this here at the end of, uh, <laughs> of our podcast as the, the golden nugget for the end. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. You let let me know how 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 it goes with with you. But I mean, you said that the uh, the cliff bars are are working for you, or what? What was the other bowl? What did you say? You said some kind of a bowl, like a, a what bowl? I'm not even familiar with what you said. Oh, spag bowl, like spaghetti bolognese. Oh, oh okay, spag bowl. Okay, I've never heard it called that before. But okay, spag bowl. I'm gonna start saying that. Okay, it must be an Aussie. <laughs> Just destroy them. Spaghetti. So, did you say that that like uh, that's the dinner? before or, yeah. were, or were you having that okay so that's your yeah yeah and is, is do you still do that sorry you, you said that you like night before dinner you'll still have kind of a you know but, but not overdoing it as you said you'll still you know yeah. carb up and yeah yeah just a normal night's dinner yeah. um i was bag bowl <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so the coming back so we had um the fasted training you haven't really yeah. you haven't really dabbled with that so much more so just sort of looking at um, yeah. macro, macronutrient ratio um i've i've looked into it a little um actually just recently now that we've been forced into off season i was like oh I'll, I'll have a try with that because a lot of um my vegan healthy friends that aren't uh endurance athletes and just like to be vegan they're all about like oh we'll fast till lunch and then we'll roll till four and then then we'll have a cooked meal and i'm like oh yeah like I just like to eat food kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. 
I was like, oh, all right, I'll have a go, see what it's like. Um, and then I had, had about two weeks off from training. I'd just wake up, do some yoga, meditation, probably go for a surf. And I'd just not eat until after I did that. So I'd just wait till lunchtime kind of thing. And it felt really good. And I was like, oh, maybe I could try and do this with training. And then I wasn't um, going into it like, oh, I have to wait till this time. I have to wait. I was like, I'll see how I feel, see how it all goes. Uh, so I started, like, I'd wake up in the morning, do some yoga, meditation, and go for a swim. And I was like, that was fine. I'm an empty stomach. Um, I'd do the same for a run. Um, I'd do the same for a ride. But anything, any ride longer than an hour, it would, I'd deplete quite quickly. So then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll eat before a ride. And then I'll try and not eat before a run or a swim. And then as I increased my training back to normal training, it was like, no, nah, I have to eat as soon as I get up, um, except for my run days. I'll just have a quick bar's breakfast, um, whereas I'd usually have a bowl of oats for breakfast before any other training sessions. But I think it definitely does have its, um, its benefits of a faster training, uh, just whether I can do it, I don't know. <laughs> Just eating is eating is a big part of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, training thirty hours a week, right? Uh, yeah. I, I yeah, I mean, I I shared my thoughts on on sort of the last episode, but just to reiterate a little bit, I mean, it, I think it's um, from what I I've read some uh, some studies. Well, a study that was done, GTN linked to it actually. Um, where they talked about it's, it's essentially like if you do 20 minutes of very easy fasted training, say like once a week, like, like say like you get up and you go for like a 20 minute walk, right? Like low intensity, like exercise fasted first thing in the morning for, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes. Uh, what that can do is it, that, that basically helps you produce. And I need to look into this. I, I should have looked into this since the last episode because I wanted to look into it more. But you produce like certain um, things in your body that that are used to metabolize fat. Basically, maybe you know what that I don't know what it is that metabolizes fat that your body will kind of produce. Like, is it would it be the ketones because you've been fasting from the night before? Is that what it is? Ketones. I think, I think it is. Like, it hits a state of ketosis and then starts burning. Yeah, yeah. You, you basically like up your your the percentage of energy that's coming from fat right you increase the percentage yeah. of energy that's coming from fat by producing more ketones right i think i've got that right yeah something like that yeah yeah something like that so you know what if i'm wrong leave a comment and just like <laughs> let me know the truth if you're if you're a, a, a you know if you're a professional and you know you're an expert in the field yeah, let me know little... open to being wrong not a, not an expert but just what i've what i've heard is that yeah. that 20 minute easy thing you basically mm -hmm. you get the same benefits um as you would from doing like a super long fasted um workout like you don't get any more benefit basically from doing much longer than say 20 minutes fasted is the is the what i came away from so yeah. how i implement that is similar to you you know most mornings i'll train i tend to have like maybe a handful of fruit whether it's you know a banana or a couple of bananas or um but i've done oats before i've done noodles in the morning just before training as sort of a you know a standard thing cereals also something i've done you know overnight oats um yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that the benefits, what, like the conclusion that I came to is that the benefits of keeping your immune system up 
and recovering after the the training sessions it's yeah. it's just it's it's not worth uh you know compromising those benefits of keeping your immune system up getting good recovery by by not training fasted it's not yeah. worth any benefits you might get in in burning fat people are like so obsessed with you know keeping it low carb so that they only burn fat because they think that they think that the only way they'll burn fat is if they don't eat carbs and they get into ketosis which is like it just demonstrates like people actually think that and it's just it's just so wrong like it's not you're yeah. always burning fat you're always burning a certain percentage you know and it's yeah. not it's not the end of the world to have topped up glycogen and in fact as an athlete you, i would think you would argue that you know you you're going to be able to perform your key training sessions at, at a high level i mean you're, you're racing sprint distance triathlon you're doing high intensity intervals, even people who do long distance intervals are going to do some high intensity training. But like, yeah. you know, for me, if I'm doing a VO2 max session on the bike, you know, I'll, I want to make sure that I'm fueled and I can really yeah. push myself and get as many Watts as I can. So, um, so that's, that's cool. So I think um, now not to say, by the way, like we do agree kind of on this point of fueling and we're not doing facet training. Like, I just mm -hmm. want to like say that I'm not, necessarily against especially vegan athletes like if, if you're if you're vegan and you want to try doing higher fat you want to experiment i guess that's on you and um I, but i like to give people a template that i think is i don't know i think is safe but lee lee said on the last episode he said don't give people a template and i've been thinking about that because he's like well you know because he's he said um you know if you give people a template like are you responsible for what people go out and do so uh, i know i know he trains i wonder what your what your sort of thoughts are on, you know, when you're talking to people that you're training, right? Cause you have, you know, have clients, personal training clients and stuff. What is like, do you give them a template? Like how much of a template do you give them? And like, what does that look like? Do you have a, um, do you have sort of uh, a guideline that you, that you give people like some fundamentals that you believe in? Like for me, I, you know, I think, um, you know, there's, there's certain fundamentals that can be taught. And I just wonder what, you know, how you think about that? Like, what are the key things that you try to get across people? And maybe, maybe this would be a good place to end is like, if we could, if we could give you, if you could give, you know, some advice to people who are listening, right? What are some things that you're pretty sure will help people, you know, feel better, get fitter and all that? If you could maybe give, give people a little bit of a uh, little bit of advice to close this out here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess it pretty much comes down to uh, the personal experience in that, I know what's right for me. Therefore, I think it's right under the right circumstances for you. Um, someone else may stumble across something that works for them and they'll be like, yeah, this works great. Everyone should be on this. I don't think there's one set thing for everyone because we're just so unique and so different in everything we do. Um, but obviously, the, I see it as everything you absorb um, has properties. So whether, whether you're watching calories and you're like, Oh, um, I get, the other day this, I had some chick come up to me and she's like, Oh, I can only have 2000 calories a day. I was like, why? <laughs> why don't you train more? It's like, I have like easy six, 7,000 calories a day. And then if I feel like I'm putting on weight, I just eat more fruit or veg instead of heavily dense stuff. Right. Right. And I, I think the biggest thing is to stick to something you can maintain or at least a goal that you can see in your mind is working. Um, and then even if like, instead of being like, if you're someone whose goal is to lose weight or um, grow muscle, instead of looking down the track at exactly where you want to be, obviously have that in mind, 
but then also be aware enough that it's like, all right, today's three goals before lunch are I want to wake up, I want to feel positive, I want to be able to look at myself well, I want to know how I need to get to the next step. And then three steps before, like three goals before I go to sleep are I want to at least hit one of my eating goals, one of my training goals, and one mental goal. So, like, look at myself and think of myself in a positive way. And I think once you make a positive relationship with whatever it is you're doing, it'll work. So instead of being like, oh, I need to, I need to train 30 hours a week. If you straight up just go from like one session a day to trying to train 30 hours a week, there's a fair chance you're going to injure yourself and not be able to do any of it. Whereas you go, all right, that's, that's the end goal. So this week I want to train seven hours next week, eight, nine, 10, have a week, a little bit break, come back, build up to it again. Um, I think it's just breaking everything down into small, like bite-sized pieces, kind of like if you're going to eat a cake, I like everything for me is food related. So it just always comes back to food and allergies. Like if I was to sit down and eat a chocolate cake, I could pretty much eat like a whole cake, just straight up eat it, but I'd feel sick. But if I was to just slice slices of a cake, have them every now and then, maybe a couple a day, maybe one a day, I'd, I'd still eat the whole cake, but I'd get to enjoy it more. I wouldn't feel as bad after it. And it would kind of, it would work better for me. Whereas someone might be able to eat more cake or less cake in a day than me. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, you just got to experiment with what works for you. And it's so hard to give someone like, all right, this is, this is the template or like in your, like with the template thing of like, here, go to this, do this. It'll work where it's like, it works for me. It might work for you. It might not, um, play with it, experiment, go more, go less. Um, and just whatever makes you happy, happy and positive, And then even if it doesn't, if you're aware enough to realize that something isn't making you positive, whether it's training, eating, life, work, as long as if you're aware enough to realize something's making you negative, you're already on the right track to fixing it because so many people don't realize they're just in this state of stress and negativity and they're like, oh, my life's horrible. Instead of being like, all right, I don't enjoy my job. Why do I work? Because I want things I don't need. If I stop needing these things, I stop wanting these things I don't need. Then I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to hate my job as much. I get to spend more time with family. I get to spend more time training. I get to enjoy the food I eat more. And it's just this massive thing. And it all comes back to just being happy and positive, I guess. Dude, I love your perspective, man. You've got, you've got a really, really great way of, of, uh, of, of bringing things together. And I love that cake analogy, dude. I love how you just, you switch from, you know, this thing where you're talking about, wanted to train and getting super you know super disciplined about your athletics you know and getting in shape and then that same discipline because a lot of people do need more discipline in you know yeah. when they want to get into like this that's probably i think the biggest thing that a lot of people can use in a coach i mean motivated athletes at least like people who are gung-ho at the beginning they're yeah. so gung-ho they got so much you know so much energy they've, maybe they've decided they want to do a goal so they get a coach and or they, or they get a training plan maybe, or they, maybe they don't, right? This, a lot of people they jump in and say, okay, here I go. I'm going to go out. I got to run a marathon. Hmm. I think I could run 20 K. So I guess I'll just go and run 20 K as fast as I can yeah. and see how I go. And then, you know, like, 
rather than breaking it down. And it, and it's, it really is the same, the same philosophy, but just in a different form with the cake that you said, right? Like if you're going to, if you're going to sit down and, and enjoy some cake, okay, well, how do you want this experience to go down? Do you want to savor each bite of, you know, a decadent vegan cake, which I mean, it's still cake. I mean, just cause you're vegan doesn't yeah. make cake healthy, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make cake feel any better. Um, you know, if you eat a whole one. So, yeah, if, you know, if, but if you think about it as, okay, here's a slice of cake, here's a day of training, right? Mm. Let's take it. Let's take it as much as we can handle. Let's take as much as we can enjoy as much as we can recover from. Like it really is, you know, you can apply that same philosophy um, to, yeah. to different areas of, of life. And, 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 and as you said as well, you know, adding to that, making sure that you're doing, you know, actually looking at what you're doing in your life. Like, are you, do you want to be eating cake in the first place? Maybe you want to be eating something else. Do you want to be doing triathlon in the first place? Like, like, you know, how is everything, you know, what's your career looking like? Like just being able to have the awareness and that's to your point mm-hmm. as well. Um, talking about awareness, yeah. like what are we doing here? What am I doing on day to day to day? You know, keeping yeah. keeping tabs on how we're spending our time and you know how we're how we're moving forward with our goals and all and all of that. So I love I love the way that you uh, that you look at things, Travis. You got you got some you got some good uh, some good some good experience to share, and you're you know you're still a very you know young guy and you're you're up and coming. But I, I've got a lot of uh, I've I think we're going to see good things from you, man. And I look forward to uh, to to seeing when you're toeing the line next with some of the other some of the other pros i don't have they given you any any information about i'm sure it's all just kind of up in the area eh, with races yeah. like you don't have any special insider information everybody's uh, everybody um, else. all i know is that uh world champs this year have been cancelled um olympics have been suggested for 2021 but they're still probably not going to happen because the qualifying events can't happen to qualify for the olympic event so there just may not be an Olympics until 2024. And, and actually I've got one more thing and I, I let's, uh, let's, let's close it out here. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much of your time and it's getting late there. But if, um, if we could look to a, to a future where we're racing again and, you know, things are happening, I mean, what, what are you looking at down the road in the next, you know, the next couple of years? Like what have you got in your sights in terms of races that you'd like to do and, you know, go, or, or just goals in general for your life? Yeah, uh, yeah. so with triathlon, I remember my first goal was to just go to a race and be respected and people be like, oh, that's Travis. Like, oh, cool, good, eh? How you going? And then <laughs> cool, like, I love that. That's a good, that's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, the, like, I got that now. And I'm like, oh, sick. And then yeah. <laughs> now I'm at, like, I want to be able to not have, not have to work an actual job to pay for triathlon like my goal now is for triathlon to self-fund itself for me to be able to go and travel anywhere any race in the world rock up um and not be out of pocket for it um obviously i mean i think it's everyone's goal is to become a world champion but i think at the heart of that is just to be the best you can be the best like you don't want to give up being like oh what if what if i could have done more or like finish your career like oh i might have been a bit faster here might have been a bit faster there mm-hmm. um so obviously it'd be sick to be world champion uh, ultimate ultimate end goal would be to have a race so well set a world record that is like unbeatable for years um but then at the same time i'm not 
I'm not phased if I don't get there. I just want to just want to get to a stage where triathlon supports me. I can then support triathlon. I can then give back into triathlon sporting communities, stuff like that, and just be able to be the best that I could be. It's like, you, like when you believe you deserve something, you don't give up on it. Whereas if you if you're not sure on something, you might be like, oh, no, nah, I wouldn't have made that. I'm kind of in that that mindset that kind of only works in sports because if you're like this with other things, people would be like, mate, you're as arrogant as it gets. But then with sport, it's kind of like, I believe I deserve to be the best I can possibly be. I deserve to get all this, like to travel the world, get to all these races, have all these experiences because I put in daily. Um, I, I pretty much, I want it as bad as I want to breathe. And then like how we said earlier about the touch of death thing, I think that's a massive thing into learning how bad you know you want something. Right. Yeah. Like um, there's an ET talk on YouTube and it pretty much goes on to be like, um, if you want something as bad as you want to breathe, you'll get it. Because in his story, he's like, this guy went to a monk or some guy and he's like, I want to be a successful business person, took him down to the water. And then he was like, all right, we'll go to the water. And he's like, oh, while I'm in the water, I want to be a successful business person. Um, so they walked out and then this guy's like held his head underwater and he just starts thrashing around and screaming. And he's like, what, what was the guy there? And then the monk's like, like, what did you want? When you were underwater, what was the one thing that was on your mind? And he goes, I wanted a breath of air. And he goes, that's how bad you got to want everything. And then for me, that was heaps relatable because I've been out surfing, um, in massive waves and had like a fallen off a wave held down had another wave come before i was able to get up for a breath of air and almost passed out i was able to get rescued in time but for me i know what it's like to drown almost i got mm. you get wow. that feeling like okay that's what death feels like and it's like how much did i want to breathe and survive in that moment that's how much i gotta want anything that i want need or deserve in life so then that's that's how i train 30 hours a week because i believe that i deserve to get to where i want to be <laughs> i love it man i love it man i'm in your corner i'm rooting for you i hope we can get some training in sometime i know we're, we're kind of on opposite uh opposite sides <laughs> of this planet but uh i'm sure someday yeah. it'll happen man someday i'll get down to australia or we'll, oh, yeah. we'll find each other at a race or something along the way but uh this has been good man trav i want to um I, you know i'm really interested in doing a some kind of like a group like if we, we could do like a zoom thing like this get a few vegan athletes vegan yeah. triathletes and do like a uh do like a group call at some point so i'll definitely uh be in touch with you about that and uh yeah, set, cool. set something up like that i think that'd be really really cool if you're if you'd be into it yeah and um yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on again today. And uh, we'll, uh, if, if you want to follow you, maybe just let people know where, where's the best, best place to find you across social media. Uh, yeah, pretty much Instagram's where I'm, I'm most active. Um, I think that's at Travis Coleman PT. Um, and then, we'll link it, link it in the show notes for anybody who yeah. wants, to, wants to check that out. So we'll link to your Instagram. And have you got a website or? The uh, I do, yeah. Oh, I shouldn't. I think it's traviscolemanpt.com. Cool. I think it's that simple, yeah. And the the name of the the meals again. That was 
Garden uh, of Vegan. Yeah. Beautiful. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. And yeah, once again, just thanks for coming on, man. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. Thanks a lot, Travis. Yeah, no worries. Cheers. Have a good one. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the Vegan Champion Podcast. Don't forget to tell a friend if you're enjoying this. Tell a friend, share, spread the word. Get it out on social media if you feel like posting to your Instagram story or on your Facebook or wherever you feel like sharing it. I would really, really appreciate that. And if you wanted to tag me or tag the Vegan Champion Podcast, that would also be really cool. That way uh, I can see it or somebody on the team can see it. And we can, uh, we can um, give you some love as well. So if we see you sharing something on your Instagram, we'll definitely uh, d- you know, uh, double that up and, and share it on the, uh, the Vegan Champion Podcast Instagram as well. So um, I'm, I'm always curious to hear what you guys liked, didn't like, would like to hear more of, would like to hear less of on the episodes. Um, trying to keep it as compact and as interesting as possible. But at the same time, give you guys some long form uh, content and give us space to sort of you know explore some explore some topics in depth um, but yeah trying to mix the podcast up doing some interviews doing some shorter ones so I'm curious to see what you guys are liking and not liking um, but yeah anyways thanks for sticking around to the end of this one you are amazing really appreciate it we'll catch you next time on the vegan champion podcast <laughs>